Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Colosseum of Rome is one of the few ancient wonders that still survives to this day. Historians have learnt much about this fantastic structure and about the lives of Roman citizens through the study of this one building. The Colosseum became the centre of Rome, the ultimate entertainment for the masses and a tool for politicians. And you would expect that it would be haunted by at least a few ghosts as hundreds of thousands of slaves and gladiators and wild animals met their untimely end in the arena. There have been reports of screams, growls, ghostly figures on the stairs and cold patches of air. Skeptics will point out that the interior of the Colosseum is cold because of all the stone. But some believe that there's a more supernatural explanation. The tunnels below the Colosseum, which were once crowded with gladiators and slaves preparing for combat, are particularly chilly. And it's impossible to walk through the gate of death without getting goosebumps. The brutality, depravity and spectacle that occurred on this site over so many years would lead us all to believe that is truly one of the most haunted sites in all of Rome. Hi, I'm Renata. And I'm Anne, and we welcome you to this week's episode of the True Hauntings podcast, where we head to Italy, the Colosseum. Anne and Renata have been investigating paranormal occurrences for the past 20 years. They have been at the center of various unexplained phenomena and have witnessed countless ghostly experiences. The duo now turn to high-profile cases that have attracted the eyes of the world. Between the dimensions we see and the dimensions we don't, supernatural forces are at play. Evil lurks within the shadows of our homes and in the darkest corners of our minds. It follows us like a shadow, forever. This is where nightmares become reality. This is True Hauntings. Hello, Anne. Hello. How are you? Oh, just fabulous. That's wonderful. But look, we've made it. Yes. There will be no gaps in the podcast. Yes, we are on the other side. Yes. Well, we're not on the other side of the world. We are... We, we've... On the other side of our trip. <laughs> yes. Well, for them, it's on the other side of the trip, but we managed to get everything mm-hmm. recorded before we went because mm-hmm. we thought there might have been one short, but... Mm-hmm. Geez, we've been troopers. We have, we have. And, and uh, this is actually being recorded three days before we leave. And we've got trauma yet again. <laughs> the ongoing saga of the Alex and Sarah wedding, my son Alex, and his beautiful bride-to-be, Sarah, had postponed their wedding a few times and they were getting married tomorrow. Did you hear me say we're getting married? Yeah. Alex mm. rang me this morning and said, Mum, the wedding's off. And I went, yeah, April Fool's. Very funny. No, 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 no. Mum, the wedding is off. Yeah, sure, Alex. Very funny. No, this isn't funny. You're not doing this, Alex. Mum, the wedding is off. I said, Alex, say to me, this is not an April Fool's joke. Mum, this is not an April Fool's joke. Mm-hmm, I didn't believe him. I honestly thought he was doing an April Fool's joke. But mm. apparently their housemate has covid so they're now all locked down again. Oh, dear. 
Which means I'm not going to get to see them get married because they're going to get married on the 9th of April now and I'll be gone. I'll be gone. You can watch via Zoom. We'll do a Zoom call. At 4am in the morning. Yes. Why not? Why not? We'll sit there with champagne in our Jimmy Jams. And I'll cry. (laughs) That's all right. That's all right. You can can pass Uh, me a tissue and say, suck it up, bitch. Suck it up, bitch. I know you so well. Suck it up. <laughs> but Renata, are you packed? No, not at all. Mm, me neither. I've got, I got nothing ready, absolutely nothing. I've got knickers. I've got about 20 pairs of knickers stuffed in a bag and that's it. <laughs> I don't even have that. I'll have to go knicker shopping tomorrow. Ooh, I'm not coming with you. No. <laughs> and look, we were sort of trying to work out where were we going to go for this last one, the last podcast before we uh, we took off. And we wanted to go to another country. And I said, surely there's got to be ghost stories about the Coliseum. There's got to be. And so we went, oh, hell, let's do the Coliseum. Yeah, let's do the Coliseum. So here we are, about to do the Coliseum. Yes, but have you told everyone where we're staying for the last few nights in London before we come home? Oh, a holy retreat place. The roof roof will fall in on our head. Staying in a nunnery. (laughs) Oh, Oh, no. But it was such a good price and and parking was included and we got a free breakfast. Oh, my gosh. It is so expensive to stay anywhere in Mm. London. My goodness. Yeah, and this is um, pretty much on the River Thames. Mm -hmm. and um, Only three and a bit kilometres into... Miles. Miles, okay. That's about seven kilometres. But, I mean, that's still not far. We've got a car, yes, so we can whiz about and we can probably Uber it from there, which would be more sensible if we're going into the middle of town. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, so... (sighs) It does have some nice places to pray. We'll be fine. (laughs) Oh, pray the roof doesn't fall in. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be fine. See, we're this we're this desperate. Yeah, and <laughs> it's like, so expensive. We were about to celebrate and say, "Hey, we've booked everything. That's it." And I went, "Oh shoot, we've still got a couple of nights in Ireland that we no, haven't looked at." No. <laughs> That's it. We've got the flights booked. Yes. The internal flights are booked. We've uh-huh. got the bags sorted. Uh-huh. We've got all the car hire done. Mm-hmm. It's only about two or three nights we've got to find accommodation for. Right. And we're, we're, right. we're done. Okay. Tuesday, we'll, Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah, three we'll, nights. We'll get onto that after we do this. But let's, let's hook into the Coliseum. And we'll get our final podcast done so that we know that you guys won't miss out while we're gone. Unlike the years to come, the Colosseum was not yet regarded as a sacred or holy site, but rather a spiritual conduit to an arcane past. While historical facts are light in this area, the autobiographical account by Benvenuto Cellini, a Florentine sculptor living in the 16th century Italy, does shed some light on this strange period when old beliefs lingered along the edges of an increasingly religious time. As it went, Cellini meets a curious Sicilian priest who shares his knowledge of the occult, and specifically, the raising of the dead. Cellini expresses his deep desire to partake in such a ceremony and assures the priest he has both the strength and stamina to take on such a demanding element of the black arts. The two men meet in the shadows of the Roman Colosseum, where the priest appears in necromancer robes and draws meticulous circles in the earth while burning strong essential oils in the fire, breathing in the fetid odour of the drug. Cellini goes on to explain how he called on the spirits to reunite him with his ancestors, but was told by the priest that he would need to come back again, this time with a young male virgin, if he hoped to see his wishes granted. When he returned with the innocent boy, the priest began his awful invocations in Latin, Greek and Hebrew, once again calling on the legion of demons residing in the walls of the amphitheatre. Although Cellini himself does not see much, both the boy and the necromancer claim to see thousands of spirits emerge from the rock, all the most dangerous of all the denizens of hell. 
and batter their tired forms against the boundaries of the sacred circle. They escape unscathed and are followed home by two devils from the Colosseum who, through this supernatural invitation, were released onto the quiet streets of Rome. Boy. <laughs> that went dark, didn't it? It did. Um, and I'm not going to raise eyebrows at all about the priest wanting the young virgin boy. No. 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 <clears throat> that seems tame to all the other shit that went on there. <laughs> I, thought- I thought I would enjoy this. I didn't. Really? No, I didn't. It, be, it, it became something that just became revolting. Revolting and really... Humans are foul creatures. Horrid. Horrid. Mm. Yeah. All right. We'll vomit it all up on us, will okay. you? Okay. So just be aware, guys, that oh. um, when we go into the history, which I'm going to do, I may say things that are... Pretty dark and, and terrible. So, if, As if what I just did wasn't. If, if, <laughs> if you are a little bit squeamish about stuff that went on in the Colosseum um, and you think you know about the stuff that went on in the Colosseum, um, just bear in mind, uh, uh, I'm not going to hold back because this stuff is part of history. Yep. But um, there could be things that will trigger um, and, and so just be aware. Should I get a bucket ready for you to vomit or anything? Um no, there's just one or two things. I'm not going to linger on them for too long, but I just want people to understand that yeah. um, it, was, it's, it was pretty horrifying. And I just wanted to say that uh, that soundscape today came from theravenreport.com, from Gladiators to Ghosts, What Happened When the Coliseum Survived Time. Mm. That was a great one, wasn't it? Mm. Yes. So the Coliseum is a huge oval amphitheatre. Thank you. <laughs> Done. And you read out all my ghost stories <laughs> yeah. at the start. So that's it. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, and the Romans liked to leave a mark wherever they went and they made a lot of, constructed a lot of coliseums. They did a lot of good yeah. and they did a lot of evil. Yeah. What? What's the Monty Python, Monty Python thing? What, what did, did the, the Romans, Romans do for us? What the oh, they built the aqueducts. <laughs> what about viniculture? <laughs> You guys know all those quotes, don't you? You are that vintage. You know them. You are our people. Uh, so it this particular one uh, cost, uh, sorry, didn't cost. It uh, took 10 years to build and it could house more than 50,000 spectators. And uh, there were good seats and there were bad seats. Yes, and like, like any theatre, there's obstructed views. Yes. With this giant cross. And there was one spot where, because I was reading about this, I'll probably get to it, where they were trying to work out where the loos were, where the toilets were. Or the privies. The privies. <laughs> and they, they said in, in one of the things that I read that there was a uh, very conspicuous drain in one area that kind of <laughs> ran around one of the walkways. And they're kind of thinking, thinking that maybe that's where... They were? They were sort of looking at the little brown things floating past. Oh, oh, I don't know. What's that? Is that a chocolate donut? (laughs) Yum, yum. I might pick that up and eat it. Well, maybe that's why people would walk around with food. That's where they got that from. Might have been where the sushi tray was invented. (laughs) (laughs) Just all these little floating things going floating past in a river. (laughs) No. Oh. Oh. Oh, God. <laughs> Where does my mind go sometimes? I, don't know. I, I wonder. I've only read two sentences here. <laughs> uh, um, and it was used for gladi- gladiatorial contests, battles, exotic animal hunts, executions, and other similar entertainment. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> yeah, for the Roman for the Roman people. So the four-story building measured 188 uh, by 156 meters. And uh, it was inaugurated by Emperor Titus, Titus, <laughs> in, in AD AD. I would have got hung for that. Yep. <laughs> yep. And it owes its name to a nearby colossal statue of Emperor Nero. Oh, they were all good blokes back then, weren't they? Oh, oh. they were all big. <laughs> They had to had to put their uh, their private bits to look rather oh. large and exciting because um, they'd all have the orgies and they'd go oh there's an advertisement for what's on tonight. Yeah. <laughs> 
So the Great Fire of Rome allowed the Colosseum to be built. So the centre of Rome had many people living and working in it by 200 BC. Uh, but then in AD 64, the Great Fire of Rome spread through the city. God, it would have burnt to a cinder. My goodness. And Emperor Nero... Uh, claimed the centre of the city for himself. This shall be mine! <laughs> mine, mine, mine. And he built a palace with a lake. Of course he did. Pavilions and gardens. And when Nero died, Emperor Vespasian... Oh, that's beautiful, Renata. Yeah, he, I mean, the Vespa is named after him. Oh, wow. Can you sit on him and ride him down too? <laughs> He wanted the area returned to the people. And so he decided the best thing to do was to build an amphitheatre. So he filled in the lake, levelled the palace and gardens <laughs> and built an amphitheatre. There you go, Nero. Take that. Stuff you. <laughs> Are we going to make it through this podcast no, today? We're hysterically no, tired. No. So Nero was not well liked by the people of Rome. Oh, can't I see why? And Emperor Vespasian, Vespasian, uh, hoped that um, by creating this um, fantastic amphitheatre, uh, would make people love him oh, more. Oh, they all love him so much more than yes. that Nero person. Kill more people. Uh, so it was 80 AD that it was built, um, and there was a huge celebration when it opened. And uh, gladiators came in to play play games. <laughs> play games. I've, got, I've got a hockey stick. Do you want to play a game with me? Uh, I've, got a, I've got a nice skull here. Shall I whack it to you? <laughs> we can play hacky sack. Oh, I've got a testicle here. Let's play hacky sack. It's terrible. And this lasted a hundred days. Oh, with, with the testicles, a hacky sack. It'd be a bit pongy by then. We're not going to get far. I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> We're a little broken. <laughs> right, so... Um, this 100-day shebang uh, started <laughs> in the morning and continued until it was too dark to see the combatants or the combatants. <laughs> Did they just walk around with a stick poking in the darkness hoping they whack someone? <laughs> or is that when they released the lions and the tigers that could oh, see that's, in the that, dark? No, that's, that's a whole other story. Oh, that's a different story. Oh, sorry, I'm jumping the gun there. So just even during this time, during this time itself... And you've got to laugh because otherwise you'll cry at this. It's just disgusting. Um, <clears throat> there were thousands of gladiators and convicts that were killed and they reckon that 9,000 animals died just in those games. Mm. 9,000. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> anyhow. Uh, it wasn't originally called the Colosseum. It was actually called the Amphitheatrum Flavium. You got the Flavium really good. Amphitheatrum Flavium. Anyway. Got a ring to it, doesn't it? It was built during the Flavian dynasty and named after them. Flavium? Flavium, Was it named after Flavium? Early Romans also called it the Caesar's Amphitheatre. I'm not going to try and say that. Uh, and uh, when Nero had his palace on the spot, he built a colossal statue to himself, as of you course. do, uh, to the entrance of his palace. Um, his parrot. And, and the, he, uh, he named it the Colossus of Rhodes. Oh, Yes. I do remember mm. that from a history class. I don't know what it was, but I do remember it. Yeah, it stood nearly 100 feet high. Oh, what an ego. Mm. What a little mm. <laughs> penis he must have had. Anyway. I bet they didn't put that on the statue. <laughs> no, there would have been a, a fig leaf or something there. <laughs> um, and many people began uh, calling the amphitheatre the Colosseum in honour of the Colossus, the Colossus of Rhodes. Uh, in time, the statue was remodelled to represent Helios, uh, the uh, god uh, of the sun, Apollo, and the statue's head was changed several times to represent different emperors. Just make the cheekbones how, a little higher, the nose a bit that? shorter, there's, there's only testicles so much, a bit lower. There's, there's only so much marble. How do you do that? Did mm. the head get smaller every time? <laughs> oh, dear. oh, 
want to know what that. Just just for the spec fill. <laughs> can you do anything with spec fill? Concrete. I'm good at concrete. <laughs> Have a cup. Okay. So- <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is what happens when we try to do too much work before we leave. Oh. <laughs> All right, we're right, we're okay. Take a breath. I don't think she's breathing. Hang on. Okay, I think we've managed to pull ourselves together enough to keep going. I'm not quite sure. So there was no charge to get into the Colosseum. Uh, Instead, the tickets were given away free to the citizens of Rome, but you had to indicate your rank in society because the best seats were close to the arena floor and they were normally reserved for senators and the next level was for knights and nobles Uh, and then there was an area for freed men and at the very top were the seats for freed women and slaves. Now, that's interesting because in many cases nowadays, the top seats are good seats because you can see everything. The nosebleed territory. Mm. So each uh, archway... I don't know about you, but they're not good seats. <laughs> they're crap seats. Each archway leading into the arena had a number engraved above it and the tickets showed which archway you were to enter through and you were to sit at. Oh, mm. very well done. So ticketek. getting the best seats... Uh, meant knowing the right people. And once the best seats had been given out, the tickets would be available to anyone who wanted them from uh, the public to come in. So the gladiators didn't always know who they would be fighting, but sometimes they were fighting their friends. Yeah. Which is like... And they had to fight to the death, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. So many of them kind of uh, didn't lift their heads uh, or um, wore uh, like helmets Mm. so they wouldn't have to look the other person in the eye. Uh, Lions and other wild animals uh, were also used and they were brought in at great cost into the Colosseum. So... uh they used to have like um, lifts and things that yes. they constructed where men would, would sort of push the levees and walk around in a circle and wind them up and the the animals would appear out of the ground sort mm. of thing, if I remember correctly. Yeah, they would be um, like trap doors underneath yeah. and they would have this system where they would wind the mm. trap door up with the animal mm-hmm. and then sort of it would come up to the level of the arena and the trapdoor would open and it looked like they would spring out of the earth. You know what it reminds me of? The Hunger Games. Because mm, yeah. you just never knew what was going to come out next and you you would have had someone who was, <clears throat> sorry, a uh, like a grand designer, a director, sort of directing all the action of, you know, if it was getting a bit slow and they were getting a bit tired, they'd throw in a wild animal to spice it up. So mm. it, very similar. Mm. So the Colosseum was made of concrete, of course. Oh, concrete I back came, then. I came, I saw a concreted. That's, that's what Italians do. Was there a, a little boy statue? Well, you know how they have the little boy statues with a fig leaf? Yeah, no. uh, so concrete is a mixture of gravel, sand and a powdered substance, usually lime-based, which sets hard upon drying. The use of concrete-like materials had been around since 6,500 BC. BC? Like, that's... Nuts. Absolutely nuts. It was apparently pioneered um, by the builders of Petra. Oh. Yeah. Who were Bedouin traders and they built cities in the desert. There you go. So concrete allowed them to build canals and pools to control the small amount of water that fell into the desert. In 200 BC, the Romans began using it on a larger scale and they rediscovered uh, adding volcanic ash to the mixture, which made the concrete harder and allowed it to set underwater. Oh, wow. So Mm. clever. So they perfected the use of arches that could be built by creating a wooden form, then pouring the concrete into it. A rounded arch allows the weight above it to be spread over the columns below and is stronger than a square-topped archway. Mm-hmm. So by the time the Colosseum was begun in 1872, they were experienced in using concrete and arches uh, and able to make these large-scale structures. Roman concrete was thicker than the concrete we see today and it required the builders layer the concrete mix, then the stone. It's like a guacamole dip, isn't yeah, it? it? Layers. Is. Layers upon layers. Uh, the Colosseum uh, did not allow women except for one particular section mm-hmm. 
of it. All mm. the rest were men. Fancy that. And uh, it could be emptied in 11 minutes. So oh, you've got 50,000 wow. people and it could be emptied in 11 minutes. They've worked out their exit strategies. My God, it, would, it takes us two minutes to get up from the seat. <laughs> Yes. And we're groaning and complaining. Oh, oh my God. The legs so, don't work beneath yeah, the Yeah, the entire Coliseum could be emptied in less than 11 minutes. I found that just astounding. Mm. So the emperors and senators sat nearer the floor. You know why? You know why they were the best seats? Because they would get splattered with blood oh. and they could have little titbits thrown to them. Oh, mm. horrible. Nice. Did you know that they actually had naval battles? Naval battles. Naval battles. Oh, this is in like the Coliseum, like ships, water. Yes. Yeah, I saw that. And I'm yes. trying to work out how on earth did they get water. I know that the top of the Coliseum was wood, but how how did they make it watertight? Um. Okay. In the beginning, the hypogeum or area under the floor was different. Wood beams would be put into slots to hold up the wooden floor. This would raise the floor to a height that would allow those in the lower seats to better view. However, the wooden floor beams could be removed and the Colosseum flooded. This allowed the Romans to stage mock naval battles complete with ships. That's insane. However, the fight to the death in these battles was very real. It would have taken about 4 million gallons of water to fill the arena. And because the Colosseum sits between three hills, the water would flow down these hills into the San Gregorio River. Oh, beautiful. Uh, which would run, uh, and it still runs, under the city of Rome. And uh, a small rivulet would run directly under the Colosseum, and therefore uh, it would get filled that way. That's the, the, the um, ingenuity of their engineers is quite astounding. Yes, yeah, so remember they perfected waterproof concrete for their baths and so 18 square holes around the Colosseum allowed rainwater to drain from the arena. These would be blocked and water diverted in. It took about half a day to flood the Colosseum to a height of about five to six feet. Condemned criminals and captives would fight in the area as the water rose around them. Most people of this time could not swim and the men were weighted down with <gasps> armour or weapons. Oh, so, so they had the choice of um, yeah, being fast. Yeah, sink or swim. Being fast and being able to move and float yeah. or having to try and get be protected and kill the other one who's moving quick. Oh, I don't know. That's, mm. Yep. So these battles were like huge. There were these vessels that were created. And in some stories they say that the vessels could actually uh, float around the Colosseum floor. But some people don't think that that was really a possibility because of the size of the vessels and the weight of the vessels and the amount of water mm. that was there. They'd have to be flat bottom barges yeah, or something. They thought they were flat yeah. and um, kind of stable in one area mm. and then, you know, it all went on around that. Uh, so it's like this is pretty insane. Um, so the floor was made of wood as we said and yes i am reading these notes because there's copious, you didn't memorize them no there's copious notes about how this stuff was all built um and i i got the poos halfway through when i learned about what they used to do with the animals but anyway um we'll get to that bit she's a real animal lover everyone mm. so often food was served during uh during the battles for entertainment just like when you go to the cinema and you get those nice hottest, lounges. Hottest doggers, anyone? <laughs> hottest doggers. Wolf nipple chips. <laughs> Another life of Brian quote. Yes. Uh, and it was not uncommon for people to throw the bones of their food and other discards onto the floor. And because wood rots, this was probably one of the first areas of the Colosseum to decay. Uh-huh. Mm. So the Colosseum was used as an arena for over 500 years. That's pretty that, good, you know, to hold up that long. Yeah, but goodness gracious me, 500 years. And in AD 217, a fire broke out that damaged a lot of the wooden parts, including the wooden seating and um, that had been added to the upper floors. Now, this damage was not fully repaired for 30-odd years, and then there were more... Um, repairs done 10 years later and, geez, almost 50 years later after that. Um, 
<clears throat> now, the, the last reported gladiator fights were held in 435 AD. I think yeah. I was waiting but, for the AD or the BC. Uh, but animal hunts still went on until at least 523 AD. Oh, so they use it like a, a bull ring now in mm. Spain, yeah. Okay. By the late 6th century, a small chapel was built in the arena and that was followed by a cemetery and people built homes and workshops inside the arched areas under the seating and these homes and workshops stayed there for centuries with records showing that they were still being rented out as late as the 1100s. Now, around the 1200s, the whole thing was converted into a castle and it was owned by the Frangipani family. Oh, the what? Oh, nice. Then in 1349... i some of those stickers on my car. There was a large earthquake. <laughs> Be aware that that won't last. Um, it caused a lot of damage, damage and, it, and it included the collapse of the south wall. So people started to take the rubble from the Colosseum parts that had um, broken off and started to build homes and churches and hospitals from them. Ooh. And for 500 years, from the 14th to the 19th century, it was used by a religious order. The interior was stripped of all stone and metal, and the marble was burned to make quick climb, which was used in mortars, plasters and cements. And today, of course, it is a tourist attraction. Now, uh, just a couple of things. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm waiting. <laughs> In the 16th century, uh, it was also a site for wool factory for a wool factory that was staffed by former sex workers. It, hang on, what's it a factory? A wool factory. W-O-O-L, wool. Yeah, yeah. Right, okay. That was staffed by former sex workers. Okay. I suppose um, at some stage or other you just get too ugly for that. Yeah, it was, like you said, uh, a rich family's fortress in a bull ring. Uh, it was damaged by fire and struck by earthquakes five and times. Just want to say, no offence there to our sex workers. You provide a wonderful job in the community. Oh, bless you for being there. Yeah, That's what I say. Thank you for taking up the slack. Yeah. Um, but due to the belief that Christian martyrs had once been fed to the lions in the area, the Colosseum became a popular pilgrimage point. 
The problem is there is little evidence that Christians were actually killed in the arena. But it makes a good story, Renata. Having martyrs everywhere. That kind of blew my mind. Mm. I didn't think that until They're this always point. always throwing Christians to the lion, lions yes. in there. And it didn't help that in 1749, Pope Benedict XIV... Wrote it into the Bible. ...endorsed the view that the Colosseum was a sacred site. And he outlawed the use of its stones in other buildings. Well, I mean, that's a good thing, the fact that they stopped stripping the Colosseum. Mm. Now, plant life, which is really kind of interesting. You don't think when you look at the Colosseum nowadays that it would have been um, abundant with different plant life. No. But they talk about the fact that there were exotic plants found nowhere else in Rome and Italy other than the Colosseum. Mm. Now, how do you think they got there? Uh, In the poo of the animals. Yes. (gasps) Oh, really? Yes. (laughs) In the poo of the animals that were bought from all over the world. Jeez, it must have been backed up for a bit (laughs) to bring it out with them. And they would, of course, poop and leave leave the seeds in the area. And there were these beautiful gardens that grew in the Colosseum. See how something beautiful can grow out of such horror, Renata? No. Okay. No, no. Um, and uh, that, that sort of comes from a book called um, Rome's Colosseum Was Once a Wild Tangled Garden. And um, it kind of says that undoubtedly some Christians were killed in the Colosseum. But as far as we can tell right now, their religion was incidental and they were simply part of normal spectacles. So there was nothing special about the Christians. Yeah. And they weren't bought in. Oh, look, Renata, they think there's something special. Oh, all right, okay. Don't, let, don't, let me, don't me. take their special from <clears throat> them because we all need to have something in our lives that makes us feel special. Okay. I'm digging a hole. <laughs> let me tell you the types of animals they bought in. Please do. Lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. Rhinos, hippos, crocodiles, giraffes, elephants, gazelles, antelopes, jackals, ostriches, hyenas, cheetahs, panthers, bears and leopards, as well as donkeys, camels, horses, rabbits, deer, boars and wolves, to name a few. Um, Where did the Romans find all of these animals? Crocodiles, rhinos, hippos and giraffes, probably from South Egypt. Gazelles, antelopes, jackals, ostriches, hyenas, lions, cheetahs, panthers and elephants from North Africa. Yeah, oh wow. Bears, probably from Morocco. And uh, from Italy and other European countries, they would have had hares, roe deer, deer, wild pigs, donkeys, bears, bison, bulls, wolves and moose. Moose? Moose. Now, one thing that I haven't, I I didn't actually write this down um, because after I read it, it sunk into my memory. Yeah. And this is a trigger warning, but um, I I want to include this because this kind of just shows the depravity um, and what was required to entertain people, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. There were special people that taught the animals how to have sex with Human beings. They were taught how taught to. how to have sex with human beings, and this was part of the spectacle. Wow, you sure it's not and Amsterdam? No, and sometimes during this, other animals were brought in to <clears throat> eat the people, whilst they were having sex with the animals. It wasn't the people doing it. The animals were brought in and often the people were strapped down so that they had no oh. way of escaping. Oh, dear. And this this is horrific. Yeah. And this was entertainment in good old Rome days. And each time they do some sort of entertainment, which, which is shocking, then they've got to outdo it the next time. And it was just escalating and yeah. escalating... And how do you how do you outdo a sea battle in the middle of the Colosseum in Rome? How do you outdo that? Yeah. By greater torture. Yeah. People wanted to see blood. Yep. And it, it wasn't enough just to kill someone. It had to be ritualistic and it had to be the worst type of killing. It had to be something that you just would not expect to see. Yeah. Yeah. 
Wow. So... No wonder you packed the poos about it. Yeah, I've I found it very, very horrible, this, this whole history stuff. I mean, the Colosseum itself is an amazing building, I am sure. But to me, um, if you ask me right now, without even hearing the stories, is the place haunted? Yes. Mm, so much trauma soaked into it. Yep. I would absolutely say so. Oh, it would be interesting to see how I would react to actually being there. I've been there. Mm. And I walked out onto one of the, the balconies where you then go and stand and you look over the floor of what was the floor of the mm. Colosseum. And it now looks like a uh, rat's maze mm-hmm. <clears throat> where you would look down and you'd see the rat going through the maze uh, because the wooden floorboards have completely gone. And it's just all the tunnels that mm-hmm. are left. Mm-hmm. And at that time when I went, this is like... 25 years ago I went so I wasn't I was fascinated by ghosts and the paranormal but I didn't have the knowledge I have now Mm -hmm. and I walked up to the edge and I kept thinking to myself I wonder if I will feel anything Mm -hmm. I wonder if there's going to be anything that comes off this place knowing that you know we've just been told the history of some of it uh, and nothing like what you told me and I remember standing there and it was hot and I just felt like there was this wave of, uh, I, I don't want to call it sickness, um, maybe despair mm-hmm. that washed over me. And I thought, hang on, is this my imagination because I know what happened here or did I just feel that? Mm-hmm. So it's an impressive structure. It is. It sort of blows your mind to think that this was built so long ago. Mm. But then the depravity of what happened there is just disturbing. Mm. So, are you handing it to me? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, would you believe it was actually difficult to find many stories, ghost stories, associated with the Colosseum? Mm. Um, there was a couple of things that were repeated over and over. I found this really bizarre um, thing from ghostlogs.com, Spirits, the Colosseum, and the Spirits of the Gladiators. <clears throat> I'll, I'll just read it out to you because it's it's just odd. Mm-hmm. I almost made it the soundscape, but I, I wasn't... Yeah, the other one was better. Mm-hmm. Hi, my name is Harry Price. Mm-hmm. I live from 17th of January 1881 to the 29th of March 1948. Our Harry Price? Yeah, they're dead. So they've introduced themselves. Hi, my name's Harry Price. All oh, right. Uh, but they're dead. Mm-hmm. So it's a ghost. Mm-hmm. I was a British psychic researcher and gained public prominence for investigating psychical phenomena exposing fraudulent spiritualist mediums. There is one place I've always wanted to go, the Colosseum. Surely you've heard of the Colosseum, Rome's most popular tu- tourist attraction. For almost 400 years, gladiators would often fight to their death for entertainment. It is estimated in that time close to 400,000 people died in what is known as the Flavian Amphitheatre. Even sceptics can be convinced that the spirit of the gladiators live on. It is not surprising that visitors today claim to hear the cheers and screams from a crowd while there is no sign of people in that particular section or ghostly figures wandering the staircases. It is, oh sorry, is it painting souls of the deceased gladiators? Some say the vaults are active by the spirits of gladiators waiting to fight, actors waiting to perform and prisoners becoming prepared for execution. There have been several accounts of cold touches or pushes that have been felt by both tourists and employees. Even sounds of animals have been heard within the vaults. If you think the belief has now died down, you are greatly mistaken. Every now and again, someone says he has seen a ghost walking around in the cellars, even dragging heavy and noisy chains. Have you heard the spirits of the gladiators while visiting Rome? Isn't that... It's just bizarre mm. that this person has written this as if they're Harry Price. Mm-hmm. I, I, that was odd. Mm. Weird. Mm. Now, 
uh, let me just give you some little bits and pieces because our friend Amy from Amy's Crypt has been to the Coliseum. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, she put a little report in there about countless staff, visitors, passers-by have reported paranormal experiences at the Coliseum. Um, the apparitions are supposed to be common. The most frequently seen one is that of a Roman soldier. Uh, the Lone Guard is usually seen at night when the landmark has been closed to the public, still protecting the Coliseum. Others have reported the site um, reported to cite the group grouped apparitions of a full crowd in the stadium bleachers, seeming to cheer on a long past spectacle before suddenly vanishing. Mm. Uh, now the problem with the Coliseum, <clears throat> when I was there, there would be actors everywhere dressed as Coliseum gladiators, guards, etc., yeah. etc., et yeah. and they would come up to you, and you'd get photos with them, and they want money. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't put it past them that they were hanging around there still at night, waiting to get photos with whoever they they could. Um, I really enjoyed Rome and and Italy and the Colosseum and all of that, but as my husband said, it was, and I really apologise to anyone who was from Italy. It was like vultures that were sitting on the long dead carcass of a um, ancient being, trying to uh, get as much off it as they possibly could. Mm-hmm. It was very scammy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. quite disappointing that mm-hmm. way. Uh, like you'd go to eat somewhere nearby and you'd order a chicken schnitzel, and you'd get a chicken schnitzel on the plate. That was it. But that wasn't the worst of it. If you wanted knives and forks, you had to pay extra. Oh, really? Yeah. It was like they were gouging you for every little thing they possibly could. Uh, Yeah. Now, I did find a ghost story here about the Colosseum, the seventh door to hell. Mm -hmm. Now, this is from buzzfortours.com. In medieval times, it was thought this this was one of the seven doors leading to hell, probably a legacy from the gladiator fights. Indeed, at the end of each bout, a strange figure appeared dressed as Charon, the ferryman, for the souls of the deceased to the world of the dead. He would use a red-hot iron to check if the victim was dead, and if so, he would carry him through one of the doors of the Colosseum, Libertina's door, hence the legend. Mm-hmm. So that's you mentioned the doors mm-hmm. to hell as well. So that's how that legend came about. It was a character that they used to employ in the Colosseum times to act out that. That's how they got the bodies out, mm-hmm. made it more theatrical. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is also this uh, one here. It was thought, uh, once thought that the painting souls of the deceased gladiators wand- wandered inside the building if you think the belief has now died down you are greatly mistaken geez that sounds just like it came out of somewhere else i just read (laughs) um the harry price thing Mm, funny about that isn't it somebody's doing so at least i'm saying where it's coming from (laughs) but every now and then they do see ghosts walking around the cells dragging heavy chains Mm. oh there we go again yes Nobody comes up with an original idea, do they? No. Unless you're a psychic, then you can make shit up and pretend that it's a ghost and all of a sudden it becomes legend. Did I just say that with my outside voice? <laughs> Ouch. Sorry about that, Renata. Yeah. Stop making shit up. Have you heard of the <laughs> Temple of Beelzebub? Yes. Oh. That's there too. Yeah, in medieval times, it was thought that some evil lovers had built a temple inside the Colosseum dedicated to Beelzebub. <laughs> it says Beelzebub. Beelzebub. Is that Beelzebub's brother? Yeah, but... <laughs> might be a typo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll be Elzebub. A ph- Philistine divinity. There you go. Um, referred in the Bible to the prince of all demons. Beelzebub will never be the same again. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. According to the legend, in order to become members of the sect, one had to answer the following question. Colosseum or... Do you adore him? <laughs> Beelzebub. <laughs> oh, some believe the name Colosseum may have been derived from this phrase. I don't know how they worked that out. Do you adore him? Well, anyway, a place of magic. Right. All right. Seems that the, po- the poet Virgil... <laughs> we're just going to giggle at everything, aren't we? A necromancer 
according to medieval evil beliefs, would perform his magic rituals inside the building. I wonder if that was the priest that needed the virgin boy. Mm. It was also thought that in the 15th century, witches and sorcerers would meet here oh, to prepare. Let's just throw yep. everything. They'd prepare at it. their magic potions. <laughs> <laughs> they burn shit <laughs> with herbs that only grew in the grounds. <coughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. Uh, the beliefs seem partly confirmed by the finding of some plants of non-Indigenous origins that these characteristics may well have used. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're mixing up the thing, the fact that these animals have pooped out seeds mm-hmm. and it's grown plants and they've mm-hmm. gone, oh, well, the witches have planted them. Mm-hmm. Yes. Bloody witches, they get in everything, don't they? Oh, they do. The prophecy of the end of the world. Uh, in the text by Bede, the venerable, an English Benedictine monk. <laughs> but he <laughs> wrote a number of... Bede? Bede. B-E-D-E. Bede. Hello, Bede. We've got no hope. We're never going to get through this. Bead. Bead. No, bead is B-E-A-D. This is B-E-D-E. Yeah, bead. But we, bead. we say old Englishy. Oh, now my nose is running. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. That's what a T-shirt's for. Just wipe it on that. All right, so Betty. <laughs> the venerable. Oh, God. I can't find a spot. <laughs> Read a number of historical books. There is mention of a prophecy according to which if the Colosseum collapses, so would Rome and then the world. The prophecy should mainly be taken as an allegory, a pagan warning against the eventual triumph of Christianity over the Roman Empire. <sighs> and so it happened. One legend later to be amply denied has Emperor Nero slaying the Christians inside the arena, uh, which you just also yep. said that that never really happened. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's another report there about the screams of animals and things like that. And they talk about hot and cold spots in there. Um, but it is below ground and there's a lot of stone, so it could be that it's just yeah. naturally cooler down there. Yep. <clears throat> All right, I'm just I'm I'm scanning. Oh, now look, see, I got a little bit desperate because there was just the same thing over and over and over. So I thought, let's look for some ghost stories nearby, because there was quite a few ghost stories from the era that were nearby. Let me share. Oh, how am I going for time? I can get a few out. What about Nero and the walnut tree? <laughs> Do we hear about Nero and the walnut tree? Yes. After Nero committed suicide, he was buried on the Pincian Hill. Do you want to correct me on that one too? No. Okay, Pincian, which now overlooks the Piazza del Popolo. Uh, legend has it that after his death, he took the form of black crows and feasted with witches and demons oh. in a nearby walnut tree. Oh, that's just so true. <sighs> that's true. Considering Nero's hedonistic parties of the Domus Aurea, Perhaps it's not surprising that he continued to feast in the afterlife. In the 11th century, in an attempt to chase away Nero's troublesome ghost, the Pope had the tree cut down. Oh, they nuts. cut down Nero's nuts. <laughs> and Thank a you. chapel. Damn you, Nero, I'm going to build a chapel on your nuts. Was built in his place. If you ever visit the church of Santa Maria de Popolo in the hope of catching a glimpse of the emperor, however, you will be disappointed. Mm. As the Pope's plan seems to have worked. Mm. One of the few times an exorcism's worked. Mm-hmm. Ever since the construction of the church, there have been no sightings of Nero's ghost. Oh. He's moved oh, on. Oh, he has. He's got a better offer. Um, oh, I haven't actually read through all of this one, so, but we'll, we'll give it a crack for a cold read. I'm saving the best to last, of course. The Lost Hand of Costanza Con- 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 Cupis. I've got to say that very carefully. Uh, Palazzo Cupis on Via di Santa Maria dell'Anima. Yeah, that was good, wasn't Very it? Nice. Very it's nice. It's rumoured to be haunted by the ghost of a 17th century woman, Costanza. A young woman was said to be one of the prettiest in Rome, graced with particularly beautiful hands. Okay. Bet she was in demand at the orgies. A sculptor made a stone copy of one of her hands and displayed it in his studio. One day a stranger visited the studio and looking at the stone hand said that the woman who the hand belonged to, 
would soon lose it. Oh. Shortly afterwards, mm-hmm. Constanza pricked her finger whilst doing some needlework. The injury became infected and spread, leading to the amputation of Constanza's hand and then her death from septicemia. Oh, no. If you're near the Palazzo Cupis one night when there's a full moon, look up at the window. You may see a ghostly hand. Oh. Then we have the tragic life of Beatrice Sente. Uh, one of the most famous ghosts in uh, Rome is another woman. I apologise to all those people who can speak Italian because I am butchering this. Uh, I'm just trying to remember how we do the cat and the set, um, but we'll just make it up. So this is uh, another young woman, Beatrice, which is such a Roman name, Sence, whose story has inspired countless paintings, poems and plays. She was the daughter of the tyrannical aristocrat Francesco Cence, who famously abused his wife and daughter. Oh, shame on you. His family plotted to have him killed and had him pushed over a balcony to make it look like an accident. <laughs> Oops! Nana, oh look, he just fell off while I picked his feet up and threw him over backwards. Oops. When the plot was discovered, Beatrice, her brothers and stepmother were tortured and sentenced to death. The people of Rome protested against the decision and there was considerable public sympathy for the condemned members of the Censive family. But on the 11th of September... 1599, Beatrice was led to the scaffold on the Ponte Sant'Angelo and decapitated in front of her 12-year-old stepbrother who was forced to watch the executions of the family. Wow. On the anniversary of her death, Beatrice can be seen carrying her severed head as she walks across the Ponte Sant'Angelo. As well as haunting the place of her death, she is also said to haunt where she spent her short tragic life. Modern inhabitants of her old family home in the Jewish ghetto Palazzo Tecense have seen her beautiful melancholy ghost and heard her weeping. Oh dear. I'm just trying to make sure I get the... the, the, Oh, this came from um, througheternity.com Save the best for last. Okay, here we go. Guess what the last ghost is going to be about? What? A monk? Oh, no. I think we're going to um, a little bit of a naughty one. Oh, okay. We're going to talk about the promiscuous empress Messalina. Valeria Messalina, the young wife of the Emperor Claudius, was infamous for her promiscuity. (laughs) (laughs) For being... A tart. Anyway, seriously, <laughs> seriously adulterous. Cereal, serially, not seriously. Sorry, we need to finish this up and go on a holiday, Renata. Serially, serially adulterous. Adulterous. What's this art? She allegedly once challenged Rome's most famous prostitute to a contest. <laughs> Adulterous, the best one for last, to see who could have the most sexual partners in one evening. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Phil and STD come along. (laughs) And guess who won? Messalina won. She was a mess. (laughs) Tripping for days with a score of 25. She even had a runny nose. Okay, Juvenile also claims that the Empress regularly worked in a brothel under the name of Shebulf. Oh, my gosh. She, was, she probably had some sort of a disorder. A nymphomaniac, I yeah. would dare say. Lucky girl. Uh, while such stories were probably greatly exaggerated, you reckon? <laughs> It's not completely invented. There's no doubt that Messalina's behaviour displeased her husband. Claudius had turned a blind eye to Messalina's infidelity until she finally went too far, marrying a Roman senator and plotting to overthrow Claudius so she could replace him with her new husband. This was the final straw. Claudius sent a courier... Is that as bad as sending a text? Uh, Claudia sent a courier to order Messalina to commit suicide. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 
According You're talking to the lady that had 25 guys in one yeah, night. Sorry. Yeah. According to Tacitus, <laughs> Tacitus, she understood her fate and put her hand to the dagger. In her terror, she was applying it ineffectually to her throat and breast when a blow from the tribune drove it through her. So a, a blow from the tribune? Is that the newspaper? Somebody whacked it with a newspaper. <laughs> Anyway, Claudius was also <coughs> unlucky with his next wife. Well, there you go, Claudius. If you're going to tell them to... Yeah, anyway, Agrippina. Um, I could have said Agrippina, <laughs> who is rumoured to have poisoned him with mushrooms. There have been no sightings of Claudius's ghost. However, Messalina lives on. She is reported to haunt the Coppian Hill near the Colosseum, looking for a new lover. And there are even rumours that she pinches the bottom of young men Ooh. in the Piazza Navona. Navona, Navona, yeah. The story of the insatiable empress was too good to end with her death so it's no surprise that she continues to walk the streets of Rome is that a good one to end on it is it is and it even brought the Colosseum back into it at the end after after all of that so really in in all of that and in all the 500 years that everything's been going on or did go on in the Mm. Colosseum we've got moans screams animals calling out phantom crowds and a gladiator yeah very very few ghost stories yeah but it seems that there are ghost stories but it's all the same ghost story yeah so does that mean that multiple people have had this experience um which in itself would be an interesting thing Mm -hmm. uh and is it a lot of it sounds like it's just residual energy doesn't Mm, it doesn't sound like there's any intelligence behind it yeah don't tell you we got ripped off at the coliseum no. There was this man standing there and he had these little Disney characters and they he put music on and they would dance all over the place. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, how are they doing that? I don't know. And he, he wanted 10, 10 euros or 10 something. Anyway, it was, it was not cheap and mm-hmm. the kids loved it because Alex was only four and Hannah was almost two. And we're looking at it going, oh, we'll get those. We'll put some music on it. We'll dance for the kids. That's great. So we bought it and he disappeared. And then we took it home and we unpacked it. And it was literally pieces of paper that have been cut out with Disney pictures on it with a piece of fishing line attached to it. So he must have had it attached to his toe. So every time they put the music on, they jiggled to the music. But it was him jiggling it. So we thought that it was something, Mm -hmm. I don't know, I don't know. We were just gullible. Very gullible. Wow. Anyway, that beca- they became a little bit of a story. So mm. I always like to share something personal from the, the Rekovich travels. Farting in a cave and <laughs> being ripped off at the Colosseum, you know. <laughs> All right. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of the True Hauntings podcast. Oh, you're Anne. wrapping up, Renata. Yes. Oh, and well and is the Colosseum haunted? Look, I reckon there's residual stuff going on there. I reckon there is so much trauma that has happened in that location. There has to be something lingering. Mm. Uh, but I would be interested to take you there to see what you felt. Yeah. And it's one of those places where it would be really hard to have some quiet time. Yeah. You would have to literally book in a special time to With go Messalina. Where, where it was very, very quiet so that you could, you know, really... Mm. get into it i think it's got a road all the way around it hasn't it yeah it it does there's traffic and everything everywhere but it is a magnificent structure and to to think of how long ago it was built and what's happened to it in the meantime it's um, part of history yeah it's a sad part of history but it's still part of history anyway thank you for joining us on this week's episode of true hauntings we are going to wrap it and we are going to head out of here and get on that plane and fly to the uk on monday and you guys will be listening to this as we've gotten home actually we'll mm-hmm. be home for about a week I'd say at this stage yep. and um, you can follow all our adventures on YouTube Anne and Renata it's ghost grannies at the moment because that um, is trending quite well thanks to Isaac and uh, we will be back with a new True Hauntings next week thanks for being with us stay spooky and see you on the dark side bye Thank you for listening to this episode of True Hauntings. 
If you like the show, give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. For more on Anne and Renata, follow at Anne and Renata on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Or visit their website, www.annandrenata.com. True Hauntings is a part of the Human Labs Podcast Network. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.